Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of QSR Uncut. I'm your host, Danny Klein, the editorial director here at QSR. And we're doing something we do from time to time, which is bring back a guest and kind of recap, you know, just how far they've come. I think, you know, a lot of times we lay out a vision and a blueprint and they tell us about the future. And it's fun to sort of come back a couple of months later and actually see what happened. And in this case, you know, I think what's doubly exciting about Steel Brands is that our guest, uh, Steel Smiley, had some very big and ambitious goals. And I think he's going to come on here and show you how he's actually making those happen, which as we know in this industry, a lot of times you see really large targets and then no action, but that's definitely not the case here. So Steele, first of all, thank you for rejoining us. I think your title might actually have changed since the last time you were on here, but you're now the founder and executive chairman of Steel Brand. So thank you. Um, I'll kind of open the floor to you here just to tell us a little bit about what's going on and we'll get into Crisp and Green's growth and everything else you guys got going on, which I know is always a lot of things. So, you know, thank you for joining us. <laughs> well, th thank you, Danny. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. I know you get to talk to the best and brightest all day. So anytime I get the invitation, I'm, I'm always uh, quite keen to, to, you know, to join you. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I guess let's start with this, uh, you know, 40 unit franchise deal. Not, not too often you see those in this industry. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that, how that came about. Um, you know, and also just for the year, I think you've got goals to open something like 50 restaurants across 15 states, which is just a, a massive number. So, yeah, so I guess start with the deal, you know, we'll kind of get into a little bit of the growth. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to do it. And, you know, look, it, it you know, I, I loved how you started the, the podcast because it's always about plans and how do plans lay out against, you know, your vision and all those things. And the reality of it is, is that they're they're just plans and you have to actually put in an incredible amount of effort to, to get there. And it takes a lot more than a single person to do it. And so uh, I'm, I'm very proud to have a, an amazing team behind me that, that, you know, we all row in the same direction and, and work hard and, uh, and, and, and we are making it happen, which is kind of amazing. But Danny, I have to tell you the secret. I mean, I, I don't come from the restaurant business. So to me, opening 50 stores a year is no big deal. I mean, I did it in the fitness business you know, for like five consecutive years, I think we opened 300 stores in one year. Um, so, you know, 50 stores is great, but it, it, it's, I know we can do a whole lot better than that. Um, you know, but our goal is to do it at a high, um, you know, at, at, at a high level and make sure that the stores open, um, you know, with great success and they open with excitement and, and lines out the door. So, you know, it, it, I'm realizing the 50 stores in the restaurant business is a really, really big deal. Everyone's reminding me of that. And, and so we keep these targets and, you know, we're, we're anxious to hit them. And, and so far we are on pace, which is exciting. Yeah. I'm trying to look up like where, um, where that would rank you. Let's see. That's so I'm looking at our QSR 50, which is something we do every year, which essentially is the top 50, um, just brands by total system-wide sales ranked one through 50. And then we break it apart. And one of the things we do is growing. So let's see, 50 would place you, let's see. I'm just trying to figure out exactly how much that is in terms of restaurants. <laughs> so like you said, you know, it's a, it's a little bit different in the fitness industry where, you know, especially a few years ago when that was really just exploding um, across the place. So 50 would put you right at, let's see, that would be 15 you'd be you would have been so last year you would have been the 16th fastest growing chain among the top 50 in america which is pretty crazy so that's 
ahead of Jimmy John's and right behind Culver's and right behind Wendy's. So yeah, what, 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 what I think, there. Danny, most people don't realize, I mean, we, we, we're still a privately held chain. I mean, we're the, we're the largest, and, and this is what we've been told, and I, and I would have to have someone like you, you know, tell me if this is correct, but we've been, I think I've been told it now four times. I mean, in the last 20 years, we're, we're the largest privately held chain in the country that hasn't taken outside capital. So we, we've never done it. Um, and so to do it at that high level and open that many restaurants without any in, infusion of capital from an outside source um, you know, it's really an accomplishment and, and we're excited about that. So, you know, look, those are great brands to be amongst. I mean, you know, Culver's great, you know, Chipotle, all the brands that are opening that many stores a year. It's, it's exciting to be, you know, in the same conversation as them. And, uh, you know, we expect a lot of great things out of, out of our brands, uh, specifically Crispin Green, which is, you know, the one that most people know because it's, I think we're, we've sold into 26 or 28 States now. And, uh, you know, when the year with, with stores in almost all of them. So it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if I've, I haven't heard that before, but it sounds right <laughs> in terms of what you mentioned yeah. there with the, yeah. with the capital and tell, I mean, talk a little bit about how that benefits you all. I mean, I think I've sort of heard the, the reverse uh, pitfalls of that, which nature of it is that you're sort of setting at, you know, kind of at a scope of, I got to grow to this point by this year so that, equity investor can exit and you know things can vest and all that kind of stuff so it would strike me that this process has allowed you to grow at your own pace and also of course be a little bit at the controls of of how you want to do so you know versus a lot of times you'll see acquisitions be a part of that because you're trying to push a number higher and and things of that nature but how is that kind of a you know a strength of of steel brands and one of the reasons why this is so sustained and yeah, and I've operated in in the private equity world before in the fitness business. I mean, I, I cycled through two different private equity firms with with my companies, and um, you know, I'm, I'm not a, we, we're never opposed to doing that. I, I think this has allowed us to go at our own pace um, and, and allowed us to to choose the people that we wanted to partner with. I mean, I think the statistic that's probably most interesting about our business that we rarely ever speak about is that, you know, we, we have hundreds and hundreds of single to three unit operators that we have declined. And not that we're proud of that, but, you know, we, we are more than anxious to develop with multi-unit operators who are, are investing millions of dollars into the business. And, and you know, we, we have not uh, to this date, you know, chosen to develop with, you know, single unit type uh, type operators. So, you know, the, the strength of our system is, is really good. I mean, our, our franchisee base is incredible. They, they are incredibly smart group of, 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 of operators that have proven themselves in, you know, in, in most cases in the restaurant business before with their other brands. And, um, and that bodes well for our, our future. And so, you know, we are a young brand. We are, we are growing at rates that, you know, we've been told are, are, are higher than normal, but, um, you know, we, we're choosing to go at the pace that is, consummate with what we can do. And uh, we don't have anyone behind the scenes telling us we have to do it. I mean, it's, it's me telling me. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a good place to be in for now. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about some of the things you've had to do just to support the growth. You know, I think that's always, you know, people grow maybe too quickly. They don't have some of the infrastructure, you don't have the talent or the structuring of the people in the right place, you know, in terms of you know, who could run what and, and things like that. And especially when you're a founder and you're, you know, really overseeing these brands that are so close to your, your heart. But I mean, what are some things just recently last year, last couple of years, I guess, that you've had to 
really put in place to position the company to hit the ground running like it is now. Yeah. I mean, you know, the first thing, you know, you, you really, really every founder should do is, is evaluate themselves and the roles that they're playing. And and I've said this, you know, many times before, and I said it, it, it you know, years ago, that you know, a decade ago in the fitness business, when I was running, you know, running those companies, you know, founders in the beginning have to do every single job. I mean, their, their job is to be the jack of all trades, truly. They're the head of finance they're the head of design. Um, in the restaurant business, they're, they're that, the person who determines the menu. Maybe they, they taste it and determine where, you know, what, what goes where. They choose their franchisees. Uh, they service the franchisees. They pick the employees. I mean, uh, every major job. And, and I think entrepreneurs in general um, do, a, a you know, the, it's, it's challenging to get them to relinquish some of the control. And as a high control individual, um, you know, one of the largest changes we've made in our business is for me to, you know, relinquish that CEO title. And this past year, we brought in uh, a CEO of someone, his name is Kelly Baltus, uh, a gentleman who I, I trust and, and and really admire and, um, and someone who's doing a really good job in, in our system. And so this is somebody who has waking up every day of his life and, and, you know, in the restaurant business and 35 years or so in the restaurant business has, has, has you know, played every role, uh, I think a CEO of, of three publicly held chains. And so, you know, you, 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 you need to find the time to evaluate yourself introspectively of where you're strong and where you could be stronger. And, you know, ours is all about infrastructure. This year is all about infrastructure. It's making sure that you have every, and it's not the sexy answer, you know, it's not, uh, you know, that, yeah. you know, we're, we're doing all these crazy things uh, in, in these exotic things. It's, it's, all, it's, you know, it's back to basics. It, it's making sure you have the right people in the right places who are all exceptional at what they do. And we're lucky that we have a really good on-ramp, even geographically based in Minnesota, believe it or not, we have a good on-ramp of, of people who want to join the company. And, and so we're up-leveling and, and Kelly, you know, has led that charge and, uh, and, and we're, we're, you know, we're still going. So, you know, yeah, one of our one of our editors lives in Minnesota, so it's not all bad, right? <laughs> like, you know, it, it's a great place to be, and and weather, you know, we so. we always do our recruiting in the summer. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Not 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 in the middle of the winter. Yeah, actually, so I live in North Carolina. When when I moved here in the middle of July, it was terrible. I mean, it was worse than Florida, where I had come from. But at that point, I was already here. But every other season is great, so I could see in Minnesota how you might bring them to in the summer when it's amazing. And then, you know, no other time. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we make sure everyone's an owner in the company. So, you know, we're one of the, the biggest benefits of us not having an outside partner to this date is that we've allowed ourselves to, you know, I've given my equity away to the entire team. And so, you know, people have ownership in the company, in some cases, stakes that they would never have in any other chain because there's just not enough room. So, you know, it, it's exciting that we're in a good spot uh, and we've got a great team and we're all moving in the right direction. And, and, um, you know, there's three brands to manage, which is, which is a mouthful, but, uh, but, but we are doing it. We're segmenting things out. Um, you know, people are, are in the right positions and, uh, you know, we're, we're real excited to, you know, where we're at. Right. So I think, I think if my memory serves me, I, I once talked to Kelly when he was at Maggiano's, um, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, these things blur in my brain, but I mean, I remember we talked a lot about just, uh, the brand and, and avoiding brand drift and those type of things was really kind of what we were focused on. And I guess my question is, you know, what, what has he brought to the table? I mean, he's obviously got amazing experience. Uh, I think he was with Jim and Nick's before and um, some Darden rolls at Cheddar's and even Dinosaur Barbecue, which I'm familiar with from my New York days. I, I think he ran the Red Lobster business for many years as well. Yes, you know, that's so right. Look, I mean, he's, yeah. 
he, he has done it all and uh, worked in franchisee setting, worked in non, a non-franchisee setting. And, you know, for us, it's just best practices. I mean, you know, very rarely do, do you see an entrepreneur, I, I think one with a, a, maybe as strong as, as a vision and personality as I do, you know, team up with someone who brings the structure and regimen to the business that it needs. And, and so, you know, I really look at my role as an investor in the business uh, and someone that wants to make sure that ultimately it lands in the right spot. Um, you know, I focus on new product innovation. I, I focus on where where we're going as an industry and, and where the brands go. And then, you know, his job is to make sure that, you know, everything operates correctly and that we're supporting the franchisees in the proper way and the unit level economics are correct. And, you know, new, new, you know, maybe new next level product innovation in, in our more mature brand, Crisp and Green. And so, you know, we, we've laid out very defined roles, which was something that we spent hours doing before he started. And it's worked out great. And, um, you know, I, 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 you know, most companies of our stage, you know, are unlikely to bring in a CEO until private equity comes in and forces you to do it. And uh, I wanted to to be the first, you know, person to make that move and and, you know, dictate the playbook be, you know, before, uh, you know, our growth got too big. And, and ultimately, I think it's the right thing to do for the franchisees. It's, it's, it's the right thing to do to make sure you've got the best possible talent and not coming from the restaurant business. Um, you know, it, it was a great tandem, you know, one and two duo to bring, you know, an entrepreneur in who's done it on a global basis and someone who, you know, in, in other industries and then bring him in who, who's an expert, true expert in the restaurant business. So um, it's been yeah. well received and, and we're, we're marching in the right direction. So what's it uh, what's it been like for you to to take a little bit of a, you know, I guess you wouldn't say a step back, but a step in a in a different direction in terms of your own role? You know, obviously, as you mentioned, you're. You're a very you're a guy with a lot of passion who's <laughs> been very involved in this since the the start. So, I mean, what what's that been like? Just having to kind of rewire your your approach a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I I will tell you candidly, it's been one of the most challenging things I've had to do. You know, I think as an entrepreneur, you you know, e- even in my most you know intimate moments with myself, you know, you 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 want to be the person that can do all the jobs. Uh, but at the rate of which we are growing, which is truly unprecedented. I mean, we've got, you know, uh, you know, two, what, like the number is close to 250 stores built in development now in 25 states, just with Crisp and Green alone. Yeah. And then we have two young brands that are are going to be tremendously successful. So, you know, you, you look at the pipeline of what we already have today and then the vision of where we're at. And then you look at that roadmap that we've mapped out for three or four years I mean, it's truly incredible. Um, you know, you're 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 building, you know, a brand that um, you know it, it you know is is a is going to be a mainstream in 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 the United States and beyond. And so, you know, you got to put the right people in the right spots. And um, I'm I'm proud of the decision that I made. It was a challenging decision, but ultimately, I I've decided, and it took me many years to get to this point. But I, I will always do the right thing always, every time, no matter what, uh, for the shareholders and for my partners. And, and I, and I look at my franchisees as my partners. I mean, it's my job to provide them with the best possible talent. And, um, you know, although I don't have shareholders, I, I do have partners and, and they're my partner and, and they, they, they need someone in the seat who's done it at a high level like Kelly. And, and, um, and that's the right decision. And that's, that's the way I'm always going to be, you know, the, the way I'm going to going to operate each and every time. Right. So I know last time we really got a lot into sort of the concept of the marketplace and and why the, there's room for so much growth and, and what you're really tapping into. I guess we kind of offer a little bit of a kind of a follow up on that. 
you know, I, I think you hear a lot about this idea of regaining some sense of normalcy. You know, I, I think there was this really big movement toward comfort food and things that we were used to getting to delivery, but, you know, consumers now are, I think, getting off of that a little bit and trying to get back into some lifestyle choices. And I mean, what does this market look right now, look like right now in terms of healthy eating, the trend and, you know, why you all are resonating so much? I, I think one thing that is pretty clear is that, you know, there was a time there a few years ago where these type of brands would really only go into city center districts. And that that to me feels like it's it's past at this point. You know, you can go into the suburbs with healthy food. It's going to be a very high demand. You know, you don't need to open in Manhattan, right? <laughs> or Los Angeles. Um, yeah. And, and look, I mean, here, here's the challenge. And, and, and most people compare us to one player, you know, the public health, health player. Um, you know, and, and, and here's the challenge. I mean, you know, if, if you operate and you're born in Manhattan or you're born in Los Angeles, and your job is to go into those suburban markets. That that is that is more of an uphill battle than you know being born in the suburban markets trying to go into the urban markets. Right. You know, our our business was born and has been born, you know, uh, from the very beginning in the suburbs. I mean, which is where I put my upscale fitness studios. So, you know, again, I didn't know any better. In the neighborhood that I started, there was. There was one restaurant that had ever been in. It was a, a restaurant called Cozy's, which you probably, you know, remember the name back in the day. Pretty damn good. I thought it was good. It made it about six months. It closed. And then we saw no other fast casual in that market, you know, for, um, you know, for, for six or seven years until I opened one. And then I opened an additional one. And then I opened an additional one all within 100 feet of each other. Um, but, you know, what's what's fascinating is that healthy eating has, has is not just for the elite. It's not just for the urban city center. It's not just for the lunch crowd. Healthy eating is a trend that is not going away. It's not a flash in the pan type type of an, an idea. It's something that will be here for the for the long haul. And you know, I I give this statistic all the time, but you know, I think there's sixteen thousand Taco Bells. There's shit. I think there's 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 twelve thousand Pizza Huts or something. So you know, I mean, you you tell me there's not room. For healthy eating, there's less than 400 or 500 healthy eating restaurants like ours, you know, including you know the publicly held brand and mine, and some of the other more scattered regional players. There's less than 500 built in the United States. There is a tremendous amount of white space for healthy eating, and so we are all in this mission together. Um, we are all sort of telling the story that healthy eating is here to stay, and the market is proving to be correct. I mean. You know, store sales in in new markets are 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 good uh, for all of us, and uh, it shows that uh, you know healthy eating is is extending beyond just Manhattan, um, which yeah. which is is nice, especially if people aren't working. That's especially nice because there's a lot more you know uh, options for people closer to where they live in the suburban markets, which is where the majority of people live anyway. Yeah, definitely now for sure. Um, some of the young families, I think, has been a little bit of the migration, but. I, th I think I know who you're referencing there on the public side, <laughs> you know, and one, and one thing that they had brought up recently in, in terms of their growth, that they were being really challenged by, by the market, you know, the cost of construction, the profitability of what's happening on the cost side of things. And I mean, if you're looking down a, a pipeline of, you know, 50 or so this year and 250, I mean, are you guys seeing some of those challenges in terms of the costs, the delays and things like that? Are you, have you built far enough in advance that you're really navigating it pretty well? I mean, it's, um, it's yeah, kind I, of look, seen pretty look, we all, right? Danny, we all face the same challenges. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it would be 
very, you know, untruthful for me to say that we're not experiencing challenges with delays, especially around construction and areas like that, permitting, you know, things like that. I mean, that that is a a macro issue in our entire in- industry. But, you know, we are in a really big benefit where I don't have Wall Street watching everything I do. So, you know, the reality of it is, is that we don't have to worry about, you know, quarter for quarter, um, you know, we can plan and focus and make decisions for the long term. And so, you know, we, we don't have to hit a certain amount of openings. We don't, you know, ha- have to, you know, do a- X, Y and Z. I mean, we, we, we can do what's right for the business for the next decade. And so as we make decisions in, in the company, you know, myself and my leadership team, we're asking ourselves, what is the right decision for the next decade? It's not for the next quarter or even for the next year. It's what is the right decision, you know, for the long term. And and so we're very fortunate to be in that position, especially now. Um, and, you know, who knows where the future lies or, or lands for steel brands? I mean, I, I would not be surprised in the future if you see some type of, uh, you know, an exit that is similar to that. But it, it won't be until we, we, we we've really honed in on our business and made sure that our four wall economics are exemplary, best in the country. And, you know, more importantly, um, you know, I, I think what you'll see it at, at some point with this business, if we choose to go that route is that, you know, we, we're, 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 we're a profitable business. Um, and, and, and we have made sure that, you know, we have kept spending in line with the growth of our business, which I think is really something that I've always learned from the beginning. I learned it from my father. Um, he, he taught me as a kid and, I, and I've kept it everywhere I go. So, um, you know, our, our, our cost structure is just a complete fraction. Um, yet we've grown at rates that are beyond really anybody else. So, you know, franchising allows you to do that, of course. Um, but it, it, it's, it's an exciting place to be and, uh, I'm thankful for where we're at. And how, and how are you all um, balancing just the value side? I think that this category in general historically has really grappled with that. You know, some have done it, you know, really well. A lot of times it seems to come down just to the education of the product, you know, and, uh, and then now it's kind of an interesting concept because everything is expensive. <laughs> so, so, you know, are you going to pay 2 or $3 more for something that's a lot better for you? I think consumers are. I mean, I think you see that at brands they're loyal to, they're willing to spend on it, but... I mean, has that come into play at all? I mean, there's been price being taken just kind of across the industry, of course, last really two years. But I mean, how is it that you're, you know, when you're talking to customers about why it's, you know, maybe worth more than they might be paying somewhere else? and Or do they really just kind of get that right out of the gate? I mean, what's that been like for you? You know, we, we have made a lot of modifications in our system um, from supply chain to, you know, even going completely vertical in the way we build our stores to making sure our chairs and tables are our own brand and design, um, you know, lowering costs everywhere we possibly can. We, we have not materially made, uh, you know, price raises in, in our business. And, and I don't know whether we will. I mean, you know, so um, I, I mean, I, I know you, Danny, and all, all, all of our listeners, you know, probably travel. I mean, I, I did a, an Uber Eats recently to, you know, um, uh, to, to, to a place we all know well. And I, and I think my, you know, with delivery, I was like $62 for, you know, for, I, I got like two yeah. things, you know, one for lunch and then one for later. It's an absolute fortune. And, and I thought it was absolutely crazy. And then, and then I went to the grocery store, um, the next city I was in because there's one next to me and I walked out spending 58. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's really six and one half dozen of the other. I think your goal as an entrepreneur always is to create value. And, and I think the reality of it is great ingredients are expensive. It doesn't mean that your food has to be. And so you, your controllables, you, you try to manage where you can, you manage your labor, you manage your occupancy, 
Um, you manage the things that you can control and, 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 and at all costs, try not, try not to pass it on to the customer. And, and we've been fortunate we haven't had to do that. Yeah, I, I went to Subway the other day and it was $19, which almost, almost was... Uh, How's that possible? I, I don't know. I, I, I got, <laughs> All I got was a foot long, a drink, like a vitamin water because I didn't want a fountain drink and a bag of chips and it was $19. Yeah, I, I think a foot long last time I went was five bucks. So I'm not sure what, what happened. Yeah, to that. Uh, but I, I, I was subway in 20, I was 20 stunned. Years. Yeah, I hadn't been in a while either. I was getting um, not not that I have anything issue with them. It's just there really isn't one too close to me. But I was at like getting my car done, and there was one next door, so I walked in there. And yeah, nineteen bucks for for just like a one of the curated sandwiches and and two sides and. Uh, yeah, um, I don't even it's know what to make but, of that. You know, but life is expensive, and you know, <laughs> right. speaking of Subway, look, they, they, you know, people don't give them the credit, but they, they paved the way for where we're at today. I mean, they, they were healthy eating when, when really, you know, no, no one else even thought of the idea. And I think today, people say Subway is that really healthy eating. I mean, I think the reality of it is, it, it, for some communities, it probably is, but you know, it, it, they, they did an incredible job of sort of telling that story of, of healthy eating and. Uh, and, and concepts, you know, like crisp and green, um, you know, are, are, are here to, you know, to add to that. And, and, and so, you know, there's no reason why you couldn't see a, a crisp and green in a, in a 1500 square foot space in a small town. And, and we're, we're building them right now. I think we have seven of them under construction and, and it, it's exciting to, to know that our product, um, you know, is likely to be in that same conversation o- over time. I don't know if you'll see 29,000 stores, we don't need 29,000 stores. I mean, but, but you'll, you'll certainly see in the thousands and, and we're excited to be in that position and, and, and controlling our own destiny, um, you know, where we sit today. Yeah. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit, talk about the other brands. Uh, I believe on the last call, we talked a lot about stock and spade and, you know, the plant-based movement and, you know, how that was really evolving. I, I think it's, been a topic that's been going on for i mean since i've been working here but but it's definitely taking on a lot of different versions of itself you know over the years so how has that brand come along you know what's been the development there and the response and and everything along those yeah i mean we 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 have a, a really unique perspective i mean you know we have 250 units in 25 states built during development in one brand and then we have two younger brands that are currently incubating to be the next the next big things. And, and so, you know, I think most people sort of know us for one. I don't think they realize that we have two more on the way. Um, you know, these brands are fully baked. Uh, they are operating in, in some cases, but stock and spade is in a really unique spot because we have, you know, two major DMAs we're opening up in the fall, uh, late, late spring, uh, summer. And in the fall, we have, we have multiple stores opening in the Miami market, um, of which are under construction. And then, and then a flagship store, Right in the middle of Nomad, uh, in the New Virgin Hotel, uh, in 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 uh, the middle of Manhattan. So, um, you know that that brand uh, will continue to see the 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 large innovation that we bring to the table. And uh, when you see those brands launch in the new markets, it's going to be the best version of itself. And so, um, you know, the plant based space has changed. I mean, just dramatically over the last twenty four months. I mean, way way more than the healthy traditional healthy eating salad kind of healthy bowl category that, that, that model has, has been exciting to see what customers want and what they don't want. And, and uh, you, you know, we're, 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 we're adjusting with it and, and bringing our innovation to it. And we think we have uh, by far the most compelling product in, in the country. And you'll say 
see a debut in those two markets here soon. Yes, I guess my question is, what what are they looking for now? It, it strikes me, at least when I talk to people, you know, randomly, not not operators, that there definitely is a little bit of questioning of kind of what's in, you know, some some of these products. Not necessarily from a negative slant, but just the asking what what am I eating? And you know, there was a, of course, in the early days, it was a huge trial on the product. People were curious how close it tasted to real meat. You know, and and then after that, what happens next kind of situation. But, you know, where have you seen it move, you know, at this point? I mean, what is the guest asking for? Well, I, I think we'll keep a lot of that for our openings. I mean, we, we've done an inc- <laughs> yeah, incredible that, amount that of research. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, out of all the things that I focused on, that has been an, an enormous part of, of where I've spent, you know, some of my most recent time because the, the industry has changed so, so quickly. And. You know, it, 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 the reality of it is, is there are far too many plant-based products, plant-based, I use that with, with quotes, for demand. I mean, it, it, everybody came up with one. And, you know, if you walked in the supermarket, uh, I mean, you, you went from seeing, you know, zero plant-based, uh, you know, products, hot dogs or hamburgers or patties or, or whatnot. Um, uh, and, and now there's just, I mean, there's, there's many, many brands, but the reality of it is there's not as many customers that want all that stuff yet. You look across the aisle and you've got all the produce section that has been in every grocery store in America for the last, you know, 80 years. And that's still as busy as hell. And, uh, and people lined up, you know, to make real food. And so, you know, you're seeing some massive shifts in that business, which is, which is the right shifts. And, um, you know, it's every entrepreneur's job to make sure that you are adjusting for what consumer demand is. And I feel like we, we've done that very, very well and we're doing it very, very quickly, but it's shifting very, very quickly. And so we have the infrastructure to do it. Uh, we've got partners in, uh, of mine in, in the markets that, that are, are, are on board for, for a lot of the, the changes that are happening. And, uh, you know, you, you're going to see a hell of a store in Miami and New York here soon, which we're really excited about. Yeah, I think I think you you hinted on um, kind of kind of with the mindset there, and I agree with it. But we'll we'll bring you back on the the podcast after the opening, and you can you can get into it. I do I do agree on sort of the people want to eat real food, but but we'll leave that there for now. People people want transparency. Yeah. They want transparency in all aspects. I mean, they want it from the government to what they're eating to you know, to, to everything. And, and, and that's, you know, that, that, that evolution is taking place in that very category. And, and that's, you know, I, I think it is, it, it is everybody's job to make sure that the consumers know what they're putting in their mouth. That's our job as, as stewards of the brand. And I think as a consumer, that's what you want to know. And so it doesn't mean that every product beyond impossible, those types of things are, are bad because some of them are, are probably just fine. But there are definitely some that should have never made made their way to you know to the open market, and in many cases they're already gone. Yeah, you know, Danny. I mean, some of the products that we tested early on, a third of them are already completely pulled. I mean, you can't even order them, and, and, and these aren't products that we launched. They never went their way through our restaurants. Um, but there was far too many things produced for you know customers that didn't ask for it, and and, yeah. and so uh, it's going to be fun to see where we land. But I, I think people will will celebrate it. Yeah, at, at the uh, National Restaurant Association last year, that was kind of the takeaway that I had was I didn't realize there were so many products making you know this type of 
you know, thing <laughs> across, it, you know, it, whatever it was seafood the, the, it was. The most sophisticated you know. investors in the world, everybody believed. It was one of those things everyone said, everyone will eat plant-based. And I, I think the reality of it is they are correct. It is coming, but I think it's early. And, you know, we are walking into that uh, paradigm shift. It, it didn't happen in the three months everyone thought it would happen. It's going to happen in the next three years uh, or, or five years or eight years, but it is coming. I mean, if, if you can choose a healthier from nature version of your classic favorite, you're going to do it. So it's not a matter of if it's coming, it will. It just people built uh, for demand that wasn't there. Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, I had some things there that just were awful. <laughs> On, on, on the product side, I mean, yeah. there, there was a plant alternative literally for everything that you, you, you know, you, you, you never even asked for. I mean, you know, did anyone ask for a plant-based meatball? I mean, I think it's such a niche product. I mean, there was products built for all types of things. Uh, and, and yeah. so I saw Wagyu beef, tuna, shrimp, um, yeah. Yeah. hot dogs, of course, but there was just, and there was about 12 different versions of chicken, <laughs> you know, out there at the show, uh, it's all it's all changing and it's changing very very quickly and some of them are brilliant products they're brilliant products full of transparency and as close to nature as possible and some of them are not brilliant products and they're as Frankenstein as ever and and so it's it's every entrepreneur's job to choose the right products and build a supply chain that includes things that are transparent and that's what you'll see in the future of, of stock and spade so one thing I want to ask you about kind of before we you know get to the end here is you know obviously when you're growing and you've got a community driven brand like this and one that ethos are so front and center and you know you're so involved in all of this i mean what how is that operator community growing at this point i mean do you have are you bringing in a lot of new people who and you know you're vetting and kind of have the ideals that you do are a lot of people re-upping to add more locations what's that community within you know within crisp and green and the company as a whole at this point you're really a, getting toward. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we we have have largely limited the growth within the system, and so you know, as people grow, when they add stores, we, we we've had you know most all of our operators already add additional stores, and, and and so you know we're we're allowing room for operators at this point. I mean, I don't know what what percentage sold out in the U.S. we are, but you know, I, I think probably twenty states are completely gone. Um, we're with no territory left. And, uh, you know, room for the existing operators to grow, but not for a new operator. So, you know, for us, for us, it, it's about filling the market with, with people that we, you know, really, first of all, a want to work with, um, and that B share our passion for multi-unit, uh, you know, multi-unit ownership. And, uh, and that's what we're focused on. And so when we meet somebody that comes in, uh, from another industry, you know, we want to make sure they've got the right operator in place, or if they come in from you know, the, the, the food business, um, you know, it, it's always from some major system. I think we have largely one representative of, of every major, uh, you know, system today in the United States. And so we're, we're fostering those relationships the best we possibly can and sorting it out. What you'll never see out of our brand is taking single two, three unit owner operators. I mean, that, yeah. that is not the best use of our time. And within our community, we, we built, um, you, you know, really unique business uh, or opportunity for us to share and bubble up best ideas called crisp circle. It's something that we have within our system where the top operators get all get together every single month and talk about best ideas and bring those to class. And we've also done something I think very unique that I, I really like it. Kelly has brought to the table. 
which is doing all the testing for our brand inside of our franchisee stores. And so instead of just doing them in the corporate stores, which is what most franchisees do and what we did, honestly, in the fitness business for, for over a decade, we're, we're partnering with our franchisees to bring the best ideas, you know, whether it's tipping or or, or you know, some, so, some new ideas that I, w- I won't mention here yet. They're all being done in test markets across the country and, and we're bringing those ideas together. So it's as collaborative as we can be. I think everybody you know realizes we're in the first inning, uh, but they're sitting on something that could be very, very special and, and a brand that you know is, is going to change the earth uh, in the way that we're delivering food. We did it with fitness. No one ever saw fitness events in front of restaurants like we did. It, it brought out the best in the consumer, and uh, and that's that's just the beginning. So we're we're excited about where we're at, and we're we're proud of where of where we've come from. Yeah, now I see people do that all the time. There's a gym by me that does that constantly. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so definitely trailblaze the a movement <laughs> on that front. Well, I, well, they're they're welcome to do it. You know, I, I'm 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 proud to have started that trend, and uh, that's not the only trend that we've started, and and not the last. So, you know, we're we're excited to be on on that cutting edge, which is which is a great place to be. Yeah. All right. So, well, you know, thank you so much for joining us. But before I let you go, I just want to open the floor. If there's something you want to add for people that we haven't got around to talking about. Maybe if you just want to, you know, drop a line in terms of where they might be able to learn more, which is always the website <laughs> whenever I ask that question. But yeah, I'll just kind of give you a chance here to close out before. Of course. And we, look, we, we, we appreciate where we're at. I mean, we were, we're, we're from very humble beginnings. I mean, we started with a single store in Minneapolis, Minnesota with really no plans to scale or there was no global domination in, in, in play. And we, we built stores as people asked for them. And so we're going to continue to do it as long as people keep showing up and giving us lines. We're going to continue to keep building stores. And so we're thankful every single day, not only for the teammates I get to work with, for my executive leadership team that is spectacular, but honestly, the people in every market that are choosing to eat healthy every day, you, 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 you know, those are the ones that we're, that we're here for. And our franchise partners who, who, you know, we, we learn a lot from, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just thankful for where we're at. And I think, you know, most, most brands forget about that piece. Um, you know, the, the, th- the thankfulness and, 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 and the gratitude piece, but that is, you know, that is what we think about when we get up in the morning and when we go to bed at night. And so we wouldn't be here without those pieces. So, and I certainly wouldn't be here. And, you know, it, we're at a, a neat stage in the business where it has little to do with the founder today that it does all the rest of those pieces. So thanks for giving yeah. me the forum. And, uh, I hope people check out a Christmas green in their community. There's, there's going to be a lot of stores and, um, you know, check it out. You're going to have a great experience. Yeah, North Carolina, right? You got to put that on the... They're on the way, Danny. <laughs> they're on the... right. I don't even think they're on the website yet. Everyone says, Steel, we look at your website. They're not updated. Honestly, I think we just gave... <laughs> we stopped We stopped updating. Yeah, they're building They're building this giant uh, development over here where they're going to have a lot of restaurants. So it'd be cool if you were one of them. <laughs> yeah, we, sure we, actually, we, we really don't have a lot of uh, health-minded fast casuals over here. We've got like three... You know, we could use more. So give me a little little tip here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, brother. Well, I appreciate you. Yeah, of course. All right, Steel. Thank you so much. And for everybody out there who's listening, as always, we appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.